your word and to be blessed by the hearing of your word. We know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us to hear your word, to use the faith that you give us, to do mighty and great things. The supernatural comes open to us when we abide in faith. So we thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to talk about uh, the fact that faith stands on the other side of obedience. Okay. Faith stands on the other side of obedience. Now we all know that we obey by faith as well. But <clears throat> what the Lord began to show me was that when you uh, need something or you have a request or you're expecting something from God, faith really calls to you and gives you permission to come over and receive it. And so if you can imagine it, say if there's a, a your, your promise is over there on a hilltop somewhere and faith is calling to you to come over and get it. And so faith is on the other side of obedience. And I think that will give you an understanding of why faith seems so confident, so assured. Faith doesn't give you any wiggle worm, not to wiggle room, not to obey it, because faith stands in the place where the promise exists, and you have to obey the voice of faith and the law of faith to get over to where your stuff is. It's almost like. You see, everybody's seen pictures or seen a, a commercial or something, an advertisement of the little kid who's scared to jump in the pool of water. And daddy's standing down there in the water. Come on, it's okay. Jump, 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 jump. I'll catch you. That's what faith does for us. For everything that we need in life, faith stands where the promise is. Faith is sure it's there. Faith, no, faith has no fear, no problems whatsoever about what it is you desire. And that is true about everything that we need. That is why there is no room to wiggle and cut corners where faith is involved. Because faith is already over there where your stuff is. And faith is telling you it's okay to come over and get it. It's okay to, to bridge that gap. It's okay. You have permission. So faith is your permission and it is your power to do the thing that it will take for you to get to where God has you. For everything we believe, there must be a corresponding action. Faith without works is dead because it's alone. And I think that becomes to be the trouble with many of the things we desire. We are dealing with dead faith because we refuse to move and respond to the voice of faith that calls us and tells us it's okay to come over. It's okay to take that step. It's okay to step out there. It's okay to, to, to believe that. It's okay to make a step toward it. It's okay to come out of that where you are and go and receive what God has for you. So in Hebrews 11, it tells you something about faith. And it, this, is, this is how you'll know that faith is a confident voice. It's not a wishy-washy voice. It's not a maybe-so voice. And it's not a hyped-up voice that tries to convince you that it's believable. 
you know uh, you know I do this uh, by faith I believe come on now it just just say what you what's on your heart if you're not really believing it we'll all know it in a minute because it won't happen you got me it'll only go as far as your feeble words go and it says here now faith is the substance of things hoped for if there's not substance in your words where your words are stout they are strong confident and adamant there is not much faith there you got me so let's not play games with this any longer let's just call it what it is there's no condemnation here because we've all been there and we know that we can get it stout can't you I can you and I we are all living witnesses if that we eat more we'll get stout <laughs> yeah so you you all believe that don't you you know if you don't eat as much you be lean so we know that we can feed our spirits more faith and make our words confident make them adamant make them stout you just got to spend time believing God's word meditating on God's word spend time in God's word get around people if you're too lazy to read the word get around word people huh? you can always tell when you're on the right road God will lead you and direct you to places where your faith increases and not decreases huh he'll always do that and so you know when we don't want to obey God then we shy away from word people uh, you go around carnal people so you can talk any kind of way you want to and believe and not believe and all that kind of stuff you get around slackers when you don't want to believe the word of God but you're going to need your faith so you need to stay around faith people you need to stay around people that make you feel small instead of you always lording it over everybody you got me you be the one that has so much to say all the time be around people that kind of make you feel like you need to shut up and listen sometimes it's always good it's always a good thing I used to love going to uh, certain meetings because I could just sit there and I I could sit there and stare at the podium and soak it up the whole time because I didn't have to have anything prepared I didn't have to do anything and it, it wasn't a long day where you felt like man how did I get into this where did I turn the wrong corner and get locked up in this thing and can't get out of here you know and so this is this is how our faith is fed sorry how our spirits are fed so faith is the substance of things hoped for See, if you're hoping for a new car, if you look in the Bible instead of looking at what your neighbor's got, now you won't get the God kind of faith looking at what your neighbor has. That's called covetousness. And God does not honor covetousness and jealousy in his kids. So you'll never get what your neighbor has. In fact, God tells you sin, it's sin to want it. It's like, you know, if you're a parent and you work hard every day and you come home and you find out your kid has got another kid's toy sitting in the closet. I just wanted it, daddy. I took it. You know, you want to knock him into the next week because you think to yourself, I work hard and this kid's out. My kid's out stealing. That's the way God feels about us. Want what belongs to somebody else, but even worse. 
You got me? He don't dig on that. So don't go to him inspired by something somebody's got parked up in their garage. You get on your little rusty knees and find out what he's got for you. Uh, that's all you need to do is inquire. God, I would love to have a new car. And I see so-and-so, but but I'm going to look at my Bible and find out what you got from me. <laughs> you got me? And get yourself straightened out so that you can get something from God. Because what God has for you is for you. It's not something. He's not short on anything. He's not lacking anything. Sometimes it's through the desires of his children that he's able to bring innovation into the earth. He's able to bring new ideas. He's able to bring new industry, jobs, and all that. He's able to increase and replenish the earth through the desires and the needs of his children. And so oftentimes that is time for the creative part of our faith to begin to work is when we desire something. And so we need to get our eyes off of what the neighbor has, which is just pride. You know, it's a, a, a soft form of pride. You know, it doesn't, doesn't seem like it because everybody likes to, to, you know, put their eyes upon things that are pleasant to look at. But it, it can be if every time your neighbor, and if you can't wait to see what your neighbor has so you can feast your eyes on it. See, that's, that kind of stuff is wrong. And so we have to understand that God has a way to take the desires, the normal desires that we have, and bring them into a place where the supernatural faith of God can produce those things. So if faith is substance, that means that you don't feel lack anymore when you're in faith. You feel full. You feel the substance of what you're hoping for. Even though it's not here in the natural. There's a fullness. There's a contentment. There's a reality of it. There's an assurance of it. When you're in faith. If you don't get that assurance. Then you need to go back and have a reality check. Or a supernatural reality check. God is this for me. If this is for me, then what's blocking it from being from faith to, to developing in me? You got me? If it's something for you and it doesn't quite get in your heart in a place of contentment and you don't get that faith lock on it, then you need to go to God and find out there may be something in you that's blocking you receiving the faith for that thing. See, we don't think about things like we think it's just an automatic thing where you just hear the word and you get a deposit in there. But there are things that we've never even considered that might belong to us that we with that door to faith is shut because of our traditional way of thinking, our average way of thinking are not wanted to jump out of that box because when you jump out, your flesh gets scared. Well, see, your flesh is going to be scared until peace settles in on you, till you get a lock on it. And then you know you can proceed without any kind of, you know, hindrance. That's what faith is for. It's to keep us in a place of peace so that we can hear instruction from God. See, I'm not big on this do it afraid thing. That, that's, you don't have to live like that. And many times if you're fearful about something that's that could be a warning from God that your faith needs to be strengthened in that thing. 
Or that your flesh is getting ahead of your spirit man. Which people don't even think about sometimes. You know, we, we don't think about, well, suppose I get this and I can't hold on to it because my faith isn't complete. You got me? And so these are the things that we need to understand when we talk about faith being substance. You must understand that when you have faith for something, there's a substance there. There's an unwaveringness there. You know, your mind can think a zillion different things. That this might happen, that might happen. That, but the bottom line is where you settle. Where do you settle on this issue? If faith is there, you settle on the fact that it is yours. I don't care what the obstacles are. I know that all day long I've been sitting here in doubt and fearful and wondering if I've done this enough and wondering if I am wondering what the holdup is and wondering why I don't have it. I've been doing wondering, wondering, wondering. But before I go to bed tonight, that thing settles in there and I make up my mind it's mine. Don't ever go to bed wondering. Don't ever go to bed wavering. Don't ever let the sun go down on your doubt of God. You got me? Because it, you need your faith. You need faith to get up in the morning. Don't go to bed doubting because you, <laughs> you doubt God in the middle of the night and morning may not see you. You got me? And so we have to get these things settled and keep them settled between us and God. And so he talks about how, how we know we're in faith. He said, by faith the elders obtained a good report. Not always by what they did. And the outcome in between. But whether they stood with God in certain things or not. You know, it, it just, sometimes my faith may be, bring a different product than yours does. It might bring a different result than yours does. We can't judge by what we see in the natural realm what somebody's faith is, is about. And so as long as you get the good report from God and you have a, a, a clear conscience, you have a settled conscience between you and God. He says through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Amen. The word always comes first. Amen. Prophecy comes first in all things. You got to speak it out first and then it is. And he says for so that the things which are seen were not made of things that do appear. So everything we see now was made by something invisible that didn't have to be here to begin with before God got started on it. That's why the evolutionists always run into a dead end. They can't understand. They can't figure out how things got here to begin with. You see what I'm saying? Everything that they tell you about is made from something that already appeared. Well, the Bible says by faith we know that things that appear were made of things that weren't there to begin with. So where were they? They were in God. Everything that exists was in God before it got here. You got me? By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. This is important. What do you offer up to God? I mean, you know, people, we don't even talk about stuff like this anymore in the church. You know, topics like holiness, right living, uh, sinlessness, and, you know, the power of the blood to walk, you know, you, you, your blood, blood washed feet walking in the tracks of Jesus, all that kind of stuff. We don't talk about stuff like that in church anymore. It's all about us. And what God's going to give us. And what's going to happen with the wealth transfer. And everybody's sitting around waiting for money in the church. But he offered a more excellent sacrifice. 
Oh, you mean there's sacrifices and sacrifice? You better believe it. Make sure you understand what a more excellent sacrifice is and what it'll get you. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. God spoke about him. And by it he being dead yet speaks. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Was not found because God translated him. For before his translation he has this testimony that he pleased God. That's a high testimony man. That you please God. Look what he got. As a result of it. And he pleased God by believing him. I mean it's real important not to fight the word. It's real important not to fight the word. It says but without faith. It's impossible to please him. You go to God begging and snorting and crying and carrying on. And telling him how upset you are about somebody didn't do this for you and you lost this and this didn't happen and all that he's not pleased with that Job tried that Job had lost all his family all his property everything was gone and his wife almost he almost had to cuss her out throw her out the house she got me I always tell people she when she told him to curse God and die she was thinking about the insurance money just a thought what he called her a witch so witch you talk like one of them old crazy women them Baal worshiping women y'all better read y'all bibles around here I don't know how y'all read but mine read just like that I know what was going on up in there (laughs) I had 30 years of evidence (sighs) anywho (laughs) but before you come to God you must believe number one that God's real you got to believe he's alive you got to believe he can do something for you see this is why the Muslims take on God doesn't please our God they got to go to Allah whoever they call him you know what I'm saying because their concept of him is not alive and he says Without faith it's impossible to please him. Number one, you, when you come to God you got to believe he's alive. He'll hear you. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not curiosity seekers. But diligent seekers. Not fly by nighters. But consistent people. And he knows the difference. He knows when people are just playing with him and curious. And if they settled in and really want to make him their God it's like the difference between helping out a neighbor's kid here and there and helping out your own child you committed to your own child you got expectations of them you got a lot invested in them neighbor's child you can help them here and there if they'll receive your help but you're not as committed to them you're not invested in them and so here it says that Without faith it's impossible to please him. That's something else that we need to understand is important when we're obeying God for the promises. If faith calls to us from the other side of obedience and commands us to come over, then we know that faith has a voice. 
And if faith has a voice, it also has a mind. Hmm? A voice doesn't just speak out of nothing. It speaks from a thought. It has intelligence to do its job. So faith is not just some robot telling you to do this, do that, and do the other. It has intelligence. It knows when you're overwhelmed. Faith knows when you're confident. Faith knows when you're paying attention. Faith knows when you're ready to move. Faith knows when everything's in sync so that faith can help you get to where your promise is. It has intelligence to do its job, which means you can trust faith. You don't have to feel like you're out on a limb and nervous and, oh, if I don't do this, I don't know what's going to happen. That's not faith leading you. You got me? It's not faith leading you. Faith will lead, will, will sometimes speak to you. And if your reaction is such that you're not ready to move, then faith will minister confidence to you. It will minister more faith to you. Faith will help you to find out what's missing and add it in there. Remember Jesus with the Syrophoenician woman. Any of the people that he had to, you know, talk to them, coax them a little bit to get their faith to where it was supposed to be. Faith ministers to us to get us to the point where we can obey. And go over and get what's for us. So it's really like that parent that's trying to get us from fear to confidence. It's calling to us. Faith is sure that what we're hoping for, they've got it over on this side. And they're coaxing you over to obedience. But not in a wishy-washy way. It's a confident, I would say more a command than a coaxing. You don't have to coddle people. To get them to obey God. We live by the commands of God. So if faith has intelligence to do its job. You can trust the spirit of faith. That spirit of faith is trustworthy. Even though it may be taking you out of a comfort zone. It's trustworthy. So the mind of faith is to lead us to what we hope for. Faith Faith wakes up every day. With one thing on its mind, and that is helping you to obtain the promises of God. That's the only thing faith has on its mind for you, is to help you to obtain the promises of God. So faith has already decided that what we hope for belongs to us. I don't know why we're sitting up here trying to figure out what we did wrong and if we got enough of this. No, you don't have enough of that. That's God's job to supply that to you. See, if there's more, if there's something lacking, then he knows very well what it is, how to give it to you. Yes, that's right. When Jesus was talking to the Syrophoenician woman, when she came to him, she was putting on a, an act like she was believing. Right. Yeah. That's true. Huh? Amen. Oh, help me. My daughter's grievously tormented. Huh? Whining, carrying on. She's just saying what she'd heard other people think or so she thought. She was wanting to put it together in a way where she could convince him she was worthy of it. Hmm? But so common with us. So common. It just shows that we haven't really studied anything. You know, some of these outsiders did more 
did more uh, re- respected God more because they tended to want to study what it was and how it worked like the centurion he stands back and he watches Jesus operate and instead of just going to him and and taking from him and wanting stuff from him like everybody else he came to him with a level of respect man he said you know I've watched you he said and you as a man you operate like a man but you have a way of tapping into the supernatural to bring heaven down here on earth to help people he said now as much as I've seen I've seen you're a man under somebody's authority there's somebody higher than you doing this he said because I work under a system of authority too I tell people do this do that that, but I'm under somebody higher see it's not me really doing it Caesar doing so whoever's pulling the strings for you I know they're the highest authority you got me so you can you can kind of observe see that's the studying part of it that's when faith comes into you when you study the word of God when you observe and you meditate and you get in there and want to know how it works that's the good part that's when God wants to reveal things to us so faith is already decided that what you hope for belongs to us why because he's standing over there where it is calling to you to come get it giving you blank permission to step into the realm of obedience so that you can get what you need by faith faith belongs to the realm of the spirit so it's a bridge between the supernatural or spirit realm and the natural realm so faith bridges the spirit and the natural with substance so as substance comes over to the natural realm for manifestation then substance begins to pull together that which you are asking God for the substance becomes a reality and that's how faith is so faith can let you know that there's a reality of it right there for you and is calling you into obedience so that you can receive what God has for you faith is also evidence that what is said in Hebrews 11:1 1, is the evidence of things not seen so faith is real evidence it is see when people are saying I'm waiting on a manifestation no your faith is your manifestation because your faith is evidence it's evidence that it's real if it weren't real you wouldn't have that in you like that see God gives you evidence of real things these aren't just hope for wish for maybe if it could come one day that'd be great but these are are these are evidence and substance so if you've got two witnesses there you've got evidence and you've got substance then it is real somewhere when God said let there be and there was it was because the stuff he was saying was real he didn't have to he didn't have to wait for it to be manufactured he didn't have to ask somebody for it he didn't have to go put it together it was already inside of him and when the word and the spirit began to work together the manifestation came in the natural this is how this works the word and the spirit must work together that's why people can memorize a bunch of scripture and quote them and nothing ever happens hmm? but this is also how people who are unbelievers can read a scripture on healing 
and somebody can get healed. Because faith is able to manifest on the word of God no matter who speaks it. You got me? If it's believed, then then it will happen for that individual. There was a uh, a report of a a man that uh, uh, wrote plays and he wrote a play on the Gospel of Mark. For some reason he was fascinated with the Gospel of Mark. He said he wanted to to, um, do a play that showed as many facets of the life of Christ as he could. And so at the end of every performance every night they would end with Mark 16. 17 of the our believers ministry ministry scripture go into all the world and preach the gospel believe, and these signs shall follow those who believe <laughs> somebody would always report that they got healed in a broadway play or off broadway play i don't think he hit broadway but but that word was mixed with faith on the part of the hearer you see what i'm saying see god can manifest faith on the word at any time it's spoken that's why it's very important for us to keep the word in our mouths and in our hearts always keep it in your mouth and in your heart so in romans 10 we see the law of faith or what we call the law of faith romans 10 6 it says the righteousness which is of faith speaks like this so we said faith has a voice right he also has a mind and when you yield your mind to the mind of the spirit of faith that dwells in you oh yes there's faith in you as well as faith in in the uh, the atmosphere and faith in the promise that same spirit of faith that's in you calls to you from a distance it's talking to you from a distant place to where it wants you to go why because faith is everywhere at all times because God is everywhere at all times we don't just have a lock on it because we're in our meetings I think if we would use the word more we'd find more (laughs) faith manifest things you know it's like people who say well we don't believe in healing in this church yeah because you haven't really preached the gospel like you said I bet if you got up there and you did Mark 16 and 17 just start reading it and see what happens or start reading it to your congregation and see who believes it start reading it and see if people that faith doesn't come in their heart and people start bursting out speaking in tongues just from the reading of it you got me and so this is how faith works faith is eager and energetic to see the word of God comes to pass that is the job of faith to cause the word of God to come to pass he says the righteousness which is of faith speaks like this don't say in your heart who shall go to heaven to bring Christ down from above or who shall descend to the deep that is to bring Christ up again from the dead but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart so if Christ is dwelling in you then his word the word of faith is very near you it's in your mouth and in your heart so you don't have to wait for anything for this to to happen you don't have to go anywhere for this to happen this is why people use this as what we call the sinner's prayer the Roman road how to lead somebody to Christ because it's not about you going to where he is or he coming to where you are it's about you releasing your faith into what he's done and that manifest for you so this is how the new covenant works 
on behalf of the believer. He says, but what does it say? The word is near you and even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So you must believe in the resurrection power of Christ. You've got to believe that he's not hanging on the cross anymore, but he is raised up with all power. You've got to believe. You can't believe, in other words, a historical Jesus and be born again. You have to believe the truth about Jesus as he is now, that he was actually crucified and he is raised from the dead and seated with the right hand of the Father on high. That's where all the advantage to the believer is, is in his resurrection and the power that he exerted to overcome death, hell, and the grave. That means something for us. That means the curse of poverty has been broken. The curse of sickness has been broken. The curse of, of, of eternal death has been broken. Because he's raised from the dead. He says for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. So righteousness is not an act of your mouth. Your heart's got to believe this. That's why when you just make a, 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 a rote confession. Trying to impress somebody that, you know, with a good confession, let's just have a good confession. Let's have a happy thought. That's why nothing happens. Because there's not much believing in your heart. You have to, this is more a heart thing because really, whatever's in your heart, you're going to speak it eventually anyway. So it's kind of like an automatic. If your heart gets full of the truth of God, it gets full of the word of God, your mouth will confess only what you believe. Got me? And so here it says confession is made unto salvation or healing or wholeness or deliverance or promotion or raise or whatever it is that you're desiring from God. Confession is made that way. If people, you know, sometimes when people get stuck somewhere, you know, this is always a dilemma for the minister. People get stuck. You know what I mean when I say stuck? They desire something from God, but there's no movement there. See, that's stuck. And so as a minister, you want to move them on to obeying the voice of faith. Faith is saying, come on over. And as a minister, you see no reason why they shouldn't be coming on over. You got me? Now, easy in in your life, difficult in mine sometimes, but we all working on it, right? But, But sometimes when people get stuck, you can find out what the problem is if you talk to them long enough. And oftentimes, people, what people think about something and what they believe in their hearts is not lining up with the word of God. This is why people get stuck. And there are certain things that you can do to help people if they want help. This is, this is the key. Jesus didn't go to anybody's house just beating them up and dragging them out and saying I want to heal you. You got me? They had to come to him. The Bible says if you're sick, you call for the elders of the church. 
See, and I've seen people get offended because no church person. My pastor didn't visit me when I was sick. Well, did you call him? Well, they supposedly they know I'm in here. No, that's not scriptural. See, people people will lose relationship with people because they're not following scripture. See, you you got to call. Why should you call? Because it's a law of faith. Whatever you confess with your mouth, your confession is made unto salvation. If you've got no faith involved in this, how is that going to help you even if they do show up? How's that going to help you? And so many times you'll find out people are stuck because there's what they believe in their hearts does not line up with God's word. You're stuck because you believe it's too hard. You're stuck because you believe it won't work. You're stuck because you're believing other voices that tell you you can't have it because. You see? And so when we get stuck, we've got to put the laws of faith in operation. Mm-hmm. You've got the number one desire what it is. Your desires have to match God's desires. I don't care uh, how, how uh, unreal you think it might be. Your desires have to match God's in order for you to receive what you need from Him. You got to want what He wants for you. You got to love what He loves. You got to hate what He hates. Other than that, you'll get stuck again. I've done this with people who, you know, I, numerous people come to the meeting they, around Christians and they still smoke. And so they'll come to the altar and say something like, I just really wish I could get rid of this smoking. It's just so hard. Well, number one, hard no. So you already put a mountain. You're worshiping your cigarette smoking, whether you know it or not. When you make it hard, see, this is what you think about it, because you're on this side of your deliverance. It looks like a mountain to you. So the first thing you must do is to get a person to understand that it's not hard because God has paid the price for you to be delivered. You need to be delivered. You can be delivered. You want your deliverance. I'll show you how. Yes, I want my deliverance. Well, every time you smoke a cigarette, but see, I don't want to smoke, but you will. Trust me, that nicotine is going to nag at you, but... Just keep confessing that I don't like cigarette smoking. I don't want to smoke anymore. God has delivered me from smoking. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus, for delivering me from smoking. And within, I would say, less than a week. You know, the next time you see him, how you doing? You know, I hadn't even realized, but I haven't smoked a cigarette like in three days or something. Why? Because you've obeyed the law of faith. See? you've touched a place inside of you that agrees with God that you don't like nicotine you know it's not good for your health you want to get rid of it you have been delivered but yet you're not walking in it yet so the spirit of faith has to call to you from the other side of your deliverance and tell you it's okay to come over come on over and this is how you get over you get over by confessing and by your heart believing, not by what you do. Right. Your doing is the least of your concerns. The main thing you got to con- correct is what's in your heart and what's in your mouth. Once that's set, then the doing is just a matter of a little bit. See? 
What we do oftentimes, we try to get the doing done before we have the believing and the confessing. And that's where we get stuck. That works for everybody. That works for everything. That works on everything. That the doing is is must be minimized compared to the believing in the heart and confessing with the mouth. I said, you know, just flip it around. Say, I am not a smoker. I am not a smoker in Jesus' name. I am delivered from smoking in the name of Jesus. And don't let that thing get a grip on your flesh. Because once it grips your flesh, it'll be like fighting a tiger. But you can even master that. You don't have to succumb just because it seems to be stronger. Amen. Than you thought it was going to be. You can do that for anything. Anything that's overcoming you or overtaking you or, uh, you know, kind of challenging you. Doesn't have to be something that overtakes you and overcomes you. It'll be something that you can master by the spirit of faith. So we said here that if you would confess with your mouth the word of God, in other words, believe it in your heart, then you'll receive the benefit of it. See, confession is made unto salvation it's you won't get it until you confess it you got me and once your confession is done then the spirit of faith will call to you to obey some activity that will make it real the spirit of faith will just sometimes with cigarette smokers people will say I don't even remember what happened I just know I haven't had a cigarette in a while in a long time and then they'll find out maybe a friend or somebody quit but they're back again and they never go back to it it's like it's out because they're on the other side of their obedience now you crossed over and you possess that land of deliverance and freedom so you don't go back you got me? Unless you get real stupid. You know, some people get real stupid. But, but you know, some people look for an excuse to go back. Yes. Anything will do. And so, you know, they, they, but unless you get really, really dumb, you know, and start playing around with these things, you know, idle in your brain. I don't see how a believer's brain can be idle. There's so many things to do for God. Once you start doing for God, you don't have time to goof around with idleness, you know. Just just you just don't. Why? Because the Bible says God works all the time. He lives in you. He would like for you to join him. Now, if we don't know, faith is, is real evidence that what we're asking for is really there. It's not, it's, don't look at this as something that might come, something that's way off somewhere. It is there. It is there with God and it is there with faith. If we don't take the trouble to develop our faith, we will not please God. Now, is this important or not? Most people don't even think about it. Do I please God or not? Most people are scared to think about it. You know? Well, God, what do you think about me? Hoots, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Let me guess. You understand? <laughs> we go quoting scripture at God, you know, or something. But is it pleasing him simple if you look at what the Bible says about it? Huh? 
If you love me, do what I tell you to do. If you love me, believe me. That pleases me. If you love me, worship me. That pleases me. Don't hold anything back from me. That pleases me. You got me? And so it, it's not that difficult to figure it out from scripture. But if we don't take the trouble to develop our faith, we will not please him. Pleasing God removes the final, I would say, tentacle of doubt. You know how sometimes the things that, that hinder you from receiving from God, like an octopus. There's unbelief here, there's where I'm at here, there's my paycheck here, and all of these things will stand in the way of a promise. If God promises you a prosperity, if he promises you a happy marriage, or reconciliation of a marriage, or a good husband, or a good wife, or something like that, you, you can have all of these arms on the octopus swinging at you, telling you, well, you don't do this right, and this isn't right, and you don't have that, and this is that. Well, suppose you get your faith to the point where you do believe God. You have settled in your heart that God wants us for you. You've settled that, you know, all of this stuff. It's a money thing. You, you believe that God will bring the money to you some way. All that kind of stuff. But then there's this other thing that can hang there. Kind of like a shadow. We, we chase it around. It's like shadow boxing. It's something that keeps taking a swipe at you and you can't really identify it. it, it it's this issue of pleasing God. See? This is what it is with people. Do I please God or don't I please God? Remember the people who said, God, I believe, I believe you, you can, but will you? Are you willing? Is God willing to do this? Well, willingness on God's part has to do with whether or not we please him. That's all it has to do with. See, is God willing? Hmm? Is he willing? Is he willing? And see, faith will settle that for you. The spirit of faith, because it's calling you to come over to the other side of obedience, has already settled the issue of is God willing. As long as the door of faith is open for you to move out on it, that question is settled. But it is a shadow that keeps popping up over and over and over again. See, it's a doubt there and, and it refers to is he willing and, and, and do we please him? And let me tell you why. Because this kind of doubt will make you look at things that don't really matter like how long it's been. Why is it taking so long? And then it'll tell you it must be because, and then it'll go into stuff that is already forgiven by God, but it keeps bringing it back up as an issue to you. See, if you don't believe that confessed sin is purged from your life, you've got to believe that, folks. You've got to believe that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You've got to believe that. If you don't believe that, you will always have some doubt in your mind. The minute you do something. See, some people's consciences have never really been purged the way God wants them purged. 
because they'll let a doubt, lingering doubt about atonement things. Just like people who can't believe get that God heals. It's because their consciences have not been purged and come out of death into life. Because a bad conscience will follow you around telling you about stuff you did so long ago if you let it. So you got to stop it. You got to make sure you stop that thing and you what you think and you believe lines up with God's word 100%. You can't let a little bit hang on. Just so you can have that to beat yourself up with here and there. You can't let it hang on. Because if it hangs on it will pull you back into that which you have been delivered from. This is how the accuser works. So he'll tell you, uh, well, you know, you, 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 you can't live without uh, a sex. This is what young people get involved in. Look at everybody's doing it. You, you got to do it too. Everybody's doing it. And then hammer, hammer, hammer at you from the time you're big enough to watch television until the time you, it pushes you out to do something. Then when you get to be a Christian, you step over the line and you don't know how to get yourself purged again. Come to God and confess and know that you're cleansed. You stay with that scripture until it works. Gets you clean. That's why people stay in sin. Because the devil's convinced them that they're weak and stupid. You can't say no to this. You can't, what, what, what? You're a believer and you can't say no to the devil? Are you kidding me? So you just go and you just drag yourself back into the mud hole again. I guess I can't do any better. You got to learn how to please God. Without faith you can't please him. You got to believe God's word. You got to believe he's willing to do things for you. You got to believe that he will do it for you. See when you start making the simple, the Bible says there's no temptation overtaking you but such as common to man. Your situation is not extraordinary, it's common. The devil will come to you and try and make your situation unusual, extraordinary. You know, you'll start gravitating toward people who hype you up as some big martyr. Because of what happened to you. You got me? Oh, you know, I just can't imagine being in your position. Well, that's not what your imagination's for. You're not supposed to imagine being where I am. Use your imagination to get good things from God. That's what it's for. Your imagination is not going to help me anyway. I need healing from heaven. I don't need all of this. But if the devil can convince you that something that's common, that commonly happens to people because it happened to you, you're extraordinary, you're already on the list for failure. You've been lined up. You've been marked for failure because of that. Because you'll keep wanting to exalt your misfortune as the reason for... See? Everything that happens is it's because, you know, I, I didn't have a good upbringing and you know, my parents divorced. And, you know, some people keep records on things that the blood is already erased. See, that's a sin right there. Because when you start mocking what the blood has done by keeping repeating it and keeping nursing it and holding it up as a big deal. What did you what did you come to Christ for if you were going to hold on to all that stuff? So if we don't take the trouble to develop our faith, we don't please God. You've got to take time to develop. You've got to challenge yourself 
to believe God's word. Challenge your crazy carnal mind to believe God's word. But pleasing God will remove that final tentacle of doubt that, that lingers. You know, just as you're getting ready to step over and obey the spirit of faith that's calling to you to come on over, there's something that'll want to trip you up. Well, maybe I didn't. Maybe it's maybe. So it's the final branch of the tree of doubt. Pleasing God. As long as you believe. Huh? As long as you believe. We doubt because we're not sure God will do it for us. Or that we please God. But you can be sure. You don't have to live there in that realm of self-pity and defeat and doubt and all that nonsense. You can have faith that pleases God. And you can be sure of it. You can be confident that you please God. And step out with the spirit of faith in confidence. Knowing that faith is there for you and will help you. Faith also has eyes. If it's got a mouth, it's got a brain, it's got eyes. Second Corinthians 5, 7 tells us we walk by faith and not by sight. So you walk by the spirit of faith guiding you, leading you, commanding you, and calling you. Faith commands because it's confident. You need that confident substance in order to get your miracle get your healing get whatever it is you need that confidence that only comes through faith if you have have, uh, uh, somebody you're praying for for healing keep healing scriptures before your eyes or your your faith is wavering you got me because every time something bad happens you'll go down the toilet and so you got to keep that in front of your eyes folks you can't just go in and oh god i thank you so and so because that meditation in your heart that expression of your heart is what will carry that person. See that that faith will go out to that individual, and will carry. It has to be substantial to carry them over into the manifestation of their promise. So you have to have to keep that spirit of faith alive in you. You have to keep it sharp in you. You have to keep it uh, uh, so that it can can bear the weight of whatever else is thrown against that individual see the bad news that comes in if you're holding that person up with your faith yours has got to be strong folks it can't be just you know a, a, a confession or you you relying on agreement or or how many facebook friends they have and see if that's enough people to get a miracle you can't do that you've got to do it through the substance of faith somebody's got to hear for that individual and somebody's got to hear from God too much rejoicing too early will put you on the wrong rejoicing sometimes comes through from fear you know like a a counterphobic thing where if I don't say amen or I don't rejoice or get excited that means I'm not believing you know you got to be honest with yourself in there and check out what's on the inside of you and understand that that you have to stay alert and awake 
it's a battle until that thing happens and manifests correctly. You got me? And so this, this is something that's very, very, very important for us to understand. Because the rah-rah people will quit before the job's done. It's the people who are, are looking for the next move. What's This is a chess game. What did the devil play? He's got a lot of pieces on the board to play. And so you, you have to understand. Take all of your cues from the spirit of faith that's within you. And learn how to stay alert. And not get all excited. We got a miracle and quit. That's what most people do. I'm going to be honest with you. That's what they do. But the Bible says if you endure to the end. That's the one that gets saved. That's the one that gets the prize. That girl that was found. Had been abducted. In California. Where they kept her hidden in the backyard. For like almost 20 years. Her mother said. That she would talk to her daughter every, can you imagine every night? God would have to have sustained her through all that time because think of the people who give up, go to a psychic and quit. You got me? But she said she would talk, tell me where you are, like a mother would talk to a child. Faith. See, that's not spooky, that's faith. And she said she had talked to her that week. That she was found. Just tell me where you are. Still believing that she's alive somewhere. Don't tell me faith can't keep people alive. It does it all the time. So faith has eyes. Faith knows to. Faith can see how to get you over. And you won't fall. And you won't lose everything. And you won't get kicked out. And you won't be fired. And you won't be any of those things. Because faith can see how to get you over safely to the place where your your, uh, promise is. We have to learn that since faith leads us, it's got to have sight. It does have sight. Amen? Faith must confidently lead us. Faith leads us with a voice of confidence and with a voice of assurance. So that voice is what you follow. You follow the voice of confidence and assurance. If it's wavering or it sounds like, if it changes direction every five minutes, that's not the spirit of faith. Faith won't jerk you around. Faith knows where you need to be, where you need to be, at what time, and will get you there confidently. It's not going to jerk you around and tell you, try this next. Huh? Faith is not a try it situation. <clears throat> Faith must lead us righteously and lawfully. Faith leads us by the word of God, which is righteousness. And lawfully it follows the rules of the kingdom of God. Faith cannot take shortcuts for those of us who are concerned about time. Faith happens to bring time with it. You'll have time to enjoy something. You know, this is what people always think. Well, I'm uh, X number years old and I'm not married yet. Uh, Listen, folks, uh, you can be 30 years in a year with some people. You got me? (laughs) (laughs) 
Most people are married like two years and they look like everybody else has been married for like 30. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man. Okay. You're all unsettled into the reality of the thing here. But trust me. 30 years commitment, 10 years commitment, it's all the same. Commitment's commitment. So faith must lead us righteously and lawfully. Can't make shortcuts. Faith isn't anxious about time either. Mm -hmm. Faith will give you such an assurance that the anxiety you had about things goes away when you receive what God has for you. Mm -hmm. It it likens the uh, waiting on things like uh, say a husbandman waiting for a harvest, a farmer waiting for a harvest. There's other similes. Another uh, analogy is a woman uh, having a baby. You know, after the joy of the the when they see the child, that little face pops up there, and they give them to you, and oh, oh my gosh, you forget all about the labor and the you know carrying and the impatience and all that kind of stuff. Then you can't wait for them to talk, and they talk you to death and you're shut up I wish this kid would shut up shut up shut up you, you couldn't wait for him to walk you gotta chase him all over all of that it takes care of itself when reality hits you got me so God knows that that's why he's not in a hurry to give us things because he knows the reality of it will settle in pretty soon maintenance will take over huh? <laughs> so faith has to lead righteously and lawfully faith cannot take shortcuts because they're illegal you don't want a shortcut leaping over a, a a valley, you know, trying to take a mountain. You don't want that. Formulas are often shortcuts. You find people, you know, send me an offering. This is an emergency seed and all your problems will be over. You know, it's just don't. This is still, you understand what I'm saying? Still, unless it comes like a word of knowledge for specific you know, and people grab on by faith. You still got to believe whatever you get involved in with God. But there are no shortcuts. There's some things might come to you quickly, but some things you're going to have to endure patiently. That's what the fruit of patience is for, so that you can endure and not want everything in an instant. That's how people get in jail for robbing banks and and extorting money and all that kind of stuff. They want everything, a lot of it, real fast. And so God wants to kill the thief that's resident in us sometimes. He'll do it that way. So a formula is often a shortcut. Flesh has no inheritance in God's kingdom. So it's usually flesh that's pushing you and wanting things in a hurry. The flesh is also not the friend of God. It's the enemy of God. So it can't experience the life of faith. It just has to die to the life of the spirit. Got me? Your flesh knows it can't please God. And it's not trying to. Unless you know you get legalistic with some religious nonsense. That you think if you do that often enough you'll feel like you please God. And that'll soon come to an end. The flesh fears obeying the voice of faith or feels fear when faith is present. 
because your flesh fears obstacles, trouble, and difficulty. And your flesh fears God. So your flesh will try to dominate sometimes and convince you not to obey the law of faith. The law of faith will seem crazy to your flesh and your flesh will let you know that. Your flesh will let you know that seems crazy. Well, don't believe that because that's not God. You understand what I'm saying? And it'll be 100% God. Romans 9, if you'll turn there, when I have 9.30. He says, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness. See, following not after righteousness will not avail you anything. Gentiles who did not believe God followed not after righteousness. But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness has not attained the law of righteousness either. He said why? Because they sought it not by faith. So whatever you're seeking from God you must seek it by faith. And you know what faith does? It commands you to develop relationship with God. That's right. That's one of the things that I know about faith. It demands you to develop relationship with God. That's why you see so many people. You wonder somehow, sometimes how preachers can get on television and get so much money. It's because people who are tuning in oftentimes don't want relationship with God. You got me? So they've got a captive audience of people who, who will take, try to take the shortcut because they don't want to go to church. They don't want to get saved. They just want some kind of easy escape out of their trouble so the law of faith demands that we have relationship with God it compels us into relationship with God flesh fears obeying God and the voice of faith because it fears that big gulf that's there between us and our and our promise flesh will recoil at the thought of that Flesh wants to back up. It doesn't think it's worth all the effort. It doesn't want to do the obedience. Doesn't do want to do what it's supposed to do. Galatians five six tells us faith works only by love. It can only work by love. You've got to be in right standing with God. You've got to to submit yourself to the Lord and keep right relationships with other people. You can't have animosity and, and you know alarms going off in your mind when you think about other people. You've got to be at peace with everybody. You know, this, is, this can't be in the heart of a child of God. We have to be like God in order to please him. So when we're not sure we please God, we will not obey the voice of faith. Because we don't trust it because we don't trust God. Well, you can't trust somebody that you don't have relationship with, that you don't know. You, you know, I, I want to trust that person. First of all, you want to hear something about them. If somebody's a stranger to you and you have to put some confidence in them, you, you need to know something about them. You've got to get to know them in some way. And that's the way our relationship with God is. We must know God in some way in order for us. And, and that intends, entails Worship, going into the word, getting to understand how to please God, getting to understand what he expects from us, and doing it. Got me? Faith, though, is calling us onto the other side of obedience. So the flesh doesn't want to go 
The flesh is scared. And if we listen to the, to the man of the flesh, he will hinder us from obeying that law of faith and obeying the voice of faith that tells us it's time. Go sign the papers. It's time. Go look for the car. It's time. Go look for your house today. It's time. Go look for your wallpaper. It's time. Go pick out paint. Go pick out your cabinets. Go pick out your appliances. All that. It's time. You got me? So the, the voice of faith will tell you uh, where these things are and when they appear for you. I was a couple of years now I've been considering uh, remodeling my kitchen. It's not a pressing thing. But it's something that I know I'm going to have to do at some point. And so it's one of those things where I know that God will put it together for me at some point. It's not pressing. But at some point I'm going to get tired of just thinking about it, talking about prepare, let's do it and get it over with kind of thing. You understand what I'm saying? And so these things are, are and, and I know that if I get in sync with the, the voice of faith and get God's timing on it, I'll probably get some creative ideas that are going to save me more money than just, you know, uh, fighting my flesh by demanding certain things. <coughs> I'm, I'm going to end with this because this is important. When you start moving out in faith, the voice of doubt will start to contend with you. You know what I mean by contend? Contended, contending is really more of a wrestling, little jabbing here, jabbing there, but it's a continual. If you don't put it to rest, with your faith. Now let me tell you what the jabs will do. The jabs will make you fight an imaginary enemy that is not even there. Because if this is something that is given to you by God already. And you develop your faith. You won't. You won't contend. You won't have that contention and that jabbing. Now what do I mean by jabbing? Well, if somebody says to you, what do you really want from God? And you list what you want. How much money do you have? Boom, boom, boom. See, that's, that's where the contention comes in. Because you haven't settled with God on that issue. You don't know how you're going to get the money. You don't know if money is going to be an issue so instead of getting it settled you will contend with fight over it huh well I know it costs a lot of money but I want it you can tell by the emotion there you can tell by the contention in the person's voice that they haven't really got it from God. See if you get that from God. And this is the problem. We go into our imagination. Our carnal imagination. And pull something that sounds rich. Important. Expensive. And famous. Because we think that's what faith is. Right. Right. Hmm? And instead of going into the word and getting your promise from God, we pull something out of nowhere and then we got to contend with our flesh for it against the spirit of faith for it. Hmm? 
Well, I want a Cadillac. I do too. In fact, I got one. I don't want to have to buy another one. <laughs> See, when you got one and you paid for it, you don't want to. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm kind of like in a dilemma. Do I go bite that big thing again, like I did to get that one, or do I? Trust God and say, okay, God, I'm not going to worry about it. You got me one. If I want one again, you'll get it for me. You know, mellow, yeah. not contentious. Yes. See, I don't have to fight with none of y'all when you ask me what I want and I tell you what I want because if it's not for me, I can accept that. You got me? Not contentious. I don't have to contend with you about anything. Huh? What kind of appliances you want? Running ones. <laughs> But you know what most people, stainless steel. And see they're contending because they don't have the faith for it. And they try to fool somebody into thinking they do. That's how we get ourselves in trouble folks. I'm telling you. And see if you don't spend the time with God dealing with him. And receiving from him what he has for you. That he knows that will give you peace and keep you peaceful. And allow you to have peace. See, let me tell you a little secret to this. If you let God make some of these decisions for you instead of trying to pretend like you already heard from him and you got a list, a fabulous list of things, you'll be much better off. See, I was in the faith teaching when they had the Dr. Cho list and you're supposed to work in the fourth dimension and get all your list together and all this oriental stuff. Stuff we don't know nothing about in this country. We don't even work in that kind of... You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to go to God with any kind of list. You have to say, God, just give me your best. You decide, God. You know my situation. You know what you want me to have. You know what I can afford. You know what, and you don't have to be afraid of anything. And you don't have to contend with anybody. Because then when your faith really does kick in and you get what your faith brings in, then you're embarrassed, upset, and you're still contending with people. You got me? You're shamed. You're crazy. And all this. I don't know what happened. You never went to God. You never let him settle for you. What it is that you desire. You never let him build your confidence in things. See most of the things that that I get from God in the realm of faith. Are things to challenge my faith. To grow. It doesn't matter. I I think all my appliances match. I don't even know. You you understand what I'm saying? It's just like come on now. And when I get to the store it's like. Oh man I ain't paying that for that. Somebody told me that about us. They said I decided. You know what I didn't buy that microwave. Because I thought it wasn't going to last long. I said mine is doing great. You understand I got the cheapest one. You know why? The one I had when I moved in quit. I said oh okay God I see the deal now. Give me the cheapest. It's going to work for me. And I'm going to use my faith to keep it going. Amen. Amen. Well you know. I want Bosch appliances. You don't even know where they come from. I'm going to go to Ikea and get you don't even know nothing about it. You better go to heaven and find out what your faith can hold in your pocketbook. Can. See this is the real side of faith. This is where you live every day. And, and you build from there. You got me? You may not even when you get to the place where your bank account says that you can afford a Lexus. You may not want to get them Japanese people your money. Huh? 
Ain't nothing but a Honda, Toyota, or something like that. I don't know. And call it something, you know, American sounding so they can make you think it's something that's new and unusual. It's the same old hunk of steel. You got me? You still got to put gas in all of them. Huh? You still got to get them to the mechanic. Well, I like them new because you don't have uh, breakdowns. Are you kidding me? That's why they had to give a lemon law. You know, they even got a law now where they can't stick you with something that, you know. Factory workers used to say, don't get something that's made on Friday or Monday. Because <laughs> there's parts and there's parts. Uh, we don't know if we put them all in there, but you're going to find out when you drive it off the lot. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Cars, the only thing people still crave, if, if, if you had something that you knew the minute you took it home, it was worth half of what it was 10 minutes ago, you'd never buy it. But people still do. You got me? So it's, it's that new thing. You know, it, it, you have to learn how to have God's peace, how to pass through the uh, radar of having your spirit examined and having your faith examined. You got me? To see if it'll hold up what it is that you say that you're waiting for. You know, that's why a lot of times we are still waiting. And you can't hurry faith. <laughs> can't hurry faith. You know what I'm saying? Just, you guys got to work with it. You understand? You got to work with it. You just, this isn't, you're not in any kind of, you're not trying to prove anything to anybody. If we could take the competitiveness out of the body of Christ against each other to see how much of something we got, we could, man, we could really live. Don't let yourself get under that pressure. Bible says if you have faith, have it between yourself and God. You don't have to tell nobody about what you're believing for. But there are going to be challenges to your faith based on a lot of things. For myself, I have to have faith for ministry and for personal things. You got to have faith for your job and for, you know, for your life in other areas, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. So we're all going to have our, our day of challenge <laughs> with our faith. But I'm telling you, it works by love. It, it works with a pure heart, in other words. You, you can't go around thinking you're a faith person and you, and you hate people or you don't trust people or you're ready to pounce on somebody. You're impatient with them and you, when you see them coming, you already got things roaming around in your head. You, you can't live like that. You've got to, to live free of fear, animosity, challenge, letting your flesh challenge you too much, and contending with yourself in the wrong way. The devil has all kinds of ways of, of slipping us, slipping that in there on us. But this contention, we have to, you have to cease doing that and just let yourself get peaceful. Know your faith isn't where it needs to be. But you're working on it. Amen. You're working on your faith. You, you're allowing God to increase your faith at every opportunity. So, okay. So we'll stop. We'll finish this. Father in heaven, we thank you for allowing us to hear what you have to say to us. We thank you, Lord. That faith is calling to us to come over and receive what it is that we're believing you for. And we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to use our faith in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen.